0: Welcome to Wildcat 919. Nine. My name is Colby Van Camp. I'm the executive sports producer here at the station. I'm joined with Anthony Georges, the sports director for Wildcat 919, Nine. and we're going to be doing the first ever Truth from the Booth where we listen to a clip of our broadcast of Kansas State football and we're going to break it down for you in a little bit of a podcast format. Anthony, this is the first time and I'm I'm pretty excited for it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something I've never heard before and I'm looking forward to, you know, kind of a deep dive into you know why would I say this? What led to me saying this? What happened on the field and what translated over into the broadcast? It's going to be a great time, and you know it's really a good deal. We can deep dive into the game as well as deep dive into what we could do better or what we already did well. So interesting
0: to me is that Kansas State came in a 14-point favorite at times. Vegas even said they were 20 and a half-point favorite. They lost 17 to 10 last weekend against Tulane, and uh, we were calling that game as a bit of a heartbreaker. Uh, and frankly, I'm just going to start out by saying that probably the hardest part for me of that game is because I'm such a huge K-State fan that it it was unbelievably difficult for me to keep my composure through the end of that game. It was really starting to irritate me how that game was going and, um, and that some of the broadcasts that I've done before, I've, I've let that irritation come through and I've had to really put that in check. So if there was anything that I had to put my finger on that was like that was the hardest part of Saturday's game for me. It was keeping my emotions in check because I just fans are are called fans because it's short for fanatic, right? I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm such a fanatic about K-State football. And uh, it hurts me when the cats don't play like I know that they can. Uh and it was it was a real challenge for me to keep my composure in the booth.
1: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat here with you. So one of the things that, you know, I've come to realize is when you're a fan, you're a fan when you're a broadcaster, your brain goes into a different kind of mode and I would say I hit that mode, but even when you're there, you're still a fan. And I think, you know, when we've seen some plays where there was a big shot open down the field, there was a big hole, or you get stuffed on fourth and two foot, you know, the fan aspect comes out of you even though you're in broadcaster mode. So, you know, I think both of us, we did a good job of keeping our composure. Sure, it was frustrating. Sure, is there things we would like to see K-State do different? Absolutely. But being able to still translate and explain what's going on and why that happened is a key part of why we had a successful broadcast on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and I just, I, there were so many things that I think we did really great about that game. But that was, that was the hardest part for me. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, so second quarter play, Kansas State goes down, makes a drive, scores a touchdown, immediately turns around, picks off the ball. I believe is Daniel Green, do screen with a great interception. And then we come and kick a field goal, and I think that took us tied into the second half, or maybe we were leading 10-7.
1: Actually, we took a 10-7 lead. It was was a big momentum swift. Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into it.
0: First and 15 for Kansas State's defense with 2.33 on the clock, tied
1: 7-all. And this is what you enjoy. You can hear the crowd in the background. The players are amped up. Get a stop right here. Swing the momentum.
0: Pratt in the shotgun. He has Taijay Spears off his right hip. There's the snappy he surveys. He's gonna pass it into the flat and he does for a completion and a gain of seven yards.
1: Nice pickup there on first and long just to play here to the near side. So they get second manageable here. He gets out of bounds to stop the clock. We haven't seen a lot of pressure on the QB here. And I, I feel like now K-State might just hang back and try to keep everything in front of them.
0: Kansas State's 3-3-5. Is not going to press the two receivers on each side of the formation. Pratt in the pistol is running back two yards behind him. There's the snap in the fake handoff. He's serving. He has a man in the flat. He's going to pass it wide open over the middle. That's a tackle going to be made by Kansas State. T.J. Smith, the sophomore, is able to pull him down, but a gain of huge yardage puts it into Kansas State territory. So first I think that we've overshot this, and Kansas State's already scored their touchdown. And this is the interception drive because I think he throws an interception either this next play or the play after that. Um, But just the first thing that stuck out to me from my side of the actual play-by-play, A, totally whiffed on their running back's name. Uh, And I, I had practiced the name, but obviously I hadn't practiced it enough that when I needed to immediately recall it, looked at my chart... It was like, what on earth do I say with this guy's name? And I fumbled around for it. Um, so that's just one of those little like really nuanced things. But that's something that jumped right out to me from the very beginning that I, I could have fixed that and been more prepared in that aspect.
1: And I'll be honest, it happened the same with me too. The same player. It just, I got tripped up on his name. And one of the things that usually I do going into a broadcast is, you know, I'll figure out the name pronunciation and I'll put it on my sheet. But when you're in the moment like that, Colby, I think we both understand, you know, a new gear turns on in our brains And, you know, we feel like we've got everything set up perfectly. So we know who it is. And on a split second, we say the wrong name or we, you know, mix something easy up. It's easy to do, even the best in the business do. But when you go back and listen to it like this, it makes it frustrating knowing that you knew who that was. It was a simple mistake.
0: Yeah. Well, and something that I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of or that they interpret as being difficult, but so many of these little nuanced kind of just like the accent on the name and frankly the Tulane uh, media packet did absolutely nothing to help me with where the emphasis on the syllables were in the name. Uh, even, even some of their pronunciation guides, I was like, what on earth are you trying to say to me here? Can we just come up with some sort of standard notation and do this the right way? Cause none of these make sense to me. Um, but yeah, so I think because a lot of sports guys make it sound so easy that people just don't even understand how difficult it is in the first place because the the best of the best, right? The Mitch Holtises of the world, the Wyatt Thompsons, the Stan Webbers, they all sit back. They already got that taken care of. And then by the time that they get to the game, it's already almost a finished product. They know what they're going to say. They know how they're going to say it. They have practiced it. They rehearsed it. And um, yeah, that was just a, a, a swing and a miss from me.
1: I think it's good for us as student radio to understand, you know, a lot of those guys you mentioned, you know, Wyatt Thompson, Mitch Holtis. They have all these people helping them out with their prep. That's true. So, you know, they might be given a sheet that says this is a name pronunciation. This is how many yards he has. Now, they still do their own prep. But, you know, for us as student radio, we're kind of learning on the fly here. Yeah, we've done it before, but we're doing everything ourselves. So if we miss one simple thing, it might show up in our broadcast, such as the mispronunciation of a name, which we both did a couple of different times in this broadcast.
0: Well, it's interesting that you said that because in the interview that I did with Wyatt Thompson, who's the voice of the Cats for Kansas State, earlier in the week, I said, is there anything that you have advice for me for about this game? What should I know? And he said, read the pronunciation chart. Some of their names are really weird. And I said, okay, sounds good. Went through and read it, still missed it. But okay, let's keep playing and see what we got on the horizon.
1: He was back there in the pocket for a while. Daniel Green makes a hit on him, but not before a huge gain right there. And now now you worry about just keeping Tulane out of field goal range.
0: All of the offensive linemen for Tulane have at least 300 pounds, which is where I think Kansas State's defensive line is starting to struggle. All of their offensive linemen have at least 300 pounds.
1: (laughs) And then nothing else. (laughs) Well, I think here... I mean, I understand that. Like, maybe, are, they, are, they maybe, like maybe are they holding it? Maybe you said it a little pounds? awkwardly. <laughs> but hey, I think it still conveys an important message. We've never seen K-State struggle on the defensive line yet. They've just blasted through Missouri. They blasted through South Dakota. So we expected him to come through and then blast through Tulane. And as mentioned, those were some big guys up front. And we all know that didn't happen. To put pressure
0: on Michael Pratt. Three receiver set, twins to the right, Pratt on the near side hash. There's the handoff to Smith. He's going to be taken down for a gain of about three and a half. And they're going to say second down and six for Tulane.
1: That's the fourth tackle of the day for Austin Moore. Just what a great story. We already mentioned it, the junior. He's a walk-on turned into a scholarship player. And Chris Kleiman said, if I could have 15 Austin Moores, I'd be happy.
0: So I thought that that play... Went really well. I felt like I personally executed saying where they were on the field, saying what the formation was, how many receivers there were, what the quarterback setting was in relation to the center, and then there's the handoff, etc. I thought that that was probably of the clips that we've listened to so far in this one continuous motion that we're just kind of uh, hitting play and pause on. I thought that that was probably my cleanest so far. Uh, but there was so much happening in that game. They were trying to move the ball. They are trying to beat tempo that I was kind of like, trying to say everything, but also read the formation and spit it out. And uh, part of it's, I, I think I get in my own way and I try to overthink it. And I just need to let it come to me and say it. But uh, I was, I was proud of that particular moment. I thought that sounded
1: crisp. I think we did really good right there because one of the things I learned from Brian Smoller here at K-State Athletics, who is a great play-by-play announcer and just all around, you know, great journalism guy, is he came into our class here at Wildcat 91.9. And he said, you know, nobody really cares when, the visitor visiting team makes the tackle, but we both right there mentioned, hey, a nice open field tackle for K State. We, we you know we mentioned who it is, where the ball's out on the field. So I think you know in the grand scheme of things, we both really painted the uh, the right picture there on that particular play. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> the 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 kiss principle. Tulane,
0: just... sorry, sorry, sorry. Tulane is uh <laughs> running the clock. Oof. Sorry, Anthony, I thought you were stopping there for a second. There's the snap to Pratt. He surveys, he pump fakes. Now he has a lane wide open over the middle to run with it. He continues to run, and he gets trucked. Yeah, so again, not my finest hour. I looked over at you, and you had kind of started, and then I stopped, and then we kind of started again at the same time, and then I just went for it. Shouldn't apologize. I should have just let it happen. Um, Hilariously, like my background's in music, right? And, and so much about performing in music is like, even if you mess it up, don't tell the audience that you messed it up don't show any kind of indication that you messed it up don't apologize for it i mean are you kidding i i literally as a senior in high school forgot a third of an eight minute long (laughs) piano piece during a competition and i just kind of bs something in the middle and then skip to the next part and so i cut out like Three minutes of this piece, and I still won the competition because I, think I would that they imagine were, so. Because, because I think that they were impressed that I just kept going. I guess, and so that if anybody's I ever stop.
1: listened to you do anything <laughs> musically, you should win like every competition uh, you're in.
0: Not piano competitions, not like that. But it was it's the it's the point of you keep going, you don't stop, you don't apologize for it, you just move on. AJ Shaw, who uh, is a great play by play guy here for us at Kansas State and Wildcat 919. He uh, he kind of gave me the same advice is don't apologize, just keep going and don't worry about it. So again, F in the chat for me at that
1: moment. I think the best part about, you know, doing something like this is we learn, I don't remember that happening in the game. There's just so much going on. But I think, you know, hopefully we'll get the chance to call another game together because I thought we really had, you know, had a good connection of going back and forth. So building the connection, knowing when I'm gonna begin, when you're gonna begin, when either one of us will stop. It'll come over time and I hope we'll get to call several more games together throughout the course of the year because this this is great. Well, and it's
0: interesting that you said that because I think we've encapsulated like the one bad part of our chemistry over like a 4-hour broadcast. Um, and all the comments that I got after the game was hey you and Anthony sounded really clean and really crisp together and you could tell that you had a natural chemistry and that was great and I agreed I thought it. I thought it, I felt the most comfortable with you than I have with all the other people that I broadcasted with, with Wildcat 919 and that's not a slam on them because they're great people they do great stuff but I just I felt that connection with you and I felt really good about I would say something I knew you were going to come in next I knew you would give me enough time to actually say the formation get the playoff and um, yeah I didn't feel like we were we
1: were fighting for control right so I I thought that was really great. I'm glad you said that because listening back to some of this like I've done, I don't recall any other times where we stepped on each other's toes. So it's kind of learn on the fly, but to only have one little mistake, which was like five seconds throughout a four-hour broadcast, I'd say that's A-plus in my charts. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness, Julius Brentz ran up and laid the hit stick on him,
1: and Pratt has to bounce himself back up. Uh, Tulane coaches are fired up. They feel like Kobe Savage might have laid... A hit on him late, but no flag, and now we're under a minute to go, Colby. you got to keep him out off the scoreboard here.
0: First and ten, Tulane. Pratt in the shotgun, trips to the right. There's the snap and the three-step drop. He's going to pass over the middle. It's picked off! Daniel Green up to the 40. 45-50. He has blockers. He might get caught from behind. Daniel Green takes it out of bounds at the Kansas State 20-yard line. Daniel Green with the interception of the century to put Kansas State in scoring position with 28 seconds on the clock.
1: That was such an electric moment of the game. It, it was, and Kobe, I, I want to stop you real quick. I closed my eyes while we're listening to this, just to hear the roar of the crowd behind yeah. us. That is, obviously it was a great call on your part, but to hear the crowd come in the background just makes that call so much more electric. It was interesting because I didn't realize
0: that. So we got our new equipment, right, with our new tie line and that the, the tie line actually has like a compressor and a limiter, right? What on our old tie line would have just blown out and been clipping at the top end of the of the frequency, right? And uh, you would have gotten kind of that distorted sound. Our tie line actually like like, compress the sound so that you don't have it blowing out the levels the entire time. That's some really, like, specific audio jargon. I'm sorry if you don't know what that means. But essentially, it's like, you didn't get so loud that you distorted the audio. Even though I was shouting into the headset, the computer automatically did that for us, which is not something I'm used to. And I think that's why when we played, uh, when our board operator, I believe it was Mason Kamara at the time, it might have been Brody Sweebel, uh, but I think it was Mason Kamara who was arming the board at that moment. When he played the music in the background which we've trained him to do and it was well timed it was great it it drowned me out almost because the i didn't expect the timeline to have that much compression on it so that's that's kind of an interesting thing that i i wouldn't have noticed unless that i had come back and listened to this
1: and let me just say this that new timeline is awesome and it's great to have and we look forward to you know covering different games whether it be here or on the road with this new timeline but i think one of the craziest things about this too is when we tested our microphones pregame We were both coming in a little bit hot. Yeah. So we turned it down a little bit. And for for the timeline to kind of, in a sense, help us out with this. To make us not sound distorted is actually a blessing in disguise
0: yeah it is a blessing in disguise interesting that we are talking about the tie line because i just got a notification on my twitter i'd made a post about i had tested our tie line i'm trying to see what the limitations are and uh that they liked my twitter tie line actually liked my, my my twitter post about them so that's cool uh as we're talking about the tie line, that's that's weird but maybe that's maybe
1: that's another blessing coming down <laughs> another blessing indeed do screen The heart and soul of this defense at linebacker hanging out watching the quarterback's eyes. Pratt thought he had a man open at about the 20-yard line. Green is just hanging out. And you see the big man's got some speed down the far sideline inside the 20. Colby, they got a chance to capitalize here. They're actually going to mark him back a little bit further. They're going to say he stepped out at the 23. But still, the big linebacker who's the heart and soul of the defense gets a huge play when you need it the most. Now you've got two timeouts and 28 seconds to put some points on the board and go into halftime with a lead. Can? Oops. I think we both did good on that play. I mean, I think, you know, you could tell one second I paused maybe just a little bit and I wish I hadn't because I probably got tongue-tied or I was trying to go somewhere else with it. Sure. But, you know, then I, I would say that I, I liked how I – you know, mentioned he went to the far sideline. You know, he's a linebacker and he's still got fifty plus yards on his return. And then I, I think it was good how we kind of went back and said, Okay, you know, we we thought we he had it inside the 20, but instead they're gonna say he stepped back out of the twenty-three. So I think you know, I think we both relayed a great message there and painted a picture to kind of describe, okay, this is where the interception was at, this is what side of the field is set, this is where he got, and now here's a great opportunity for the offense who struggled all day. To take a chance and put some points on the board which they did
0: well and so much about play-by-play and, and color right and being an analyst especially an analyst um, that I think is kind of like the unsung hero, right? Everybody focuses on the play-by-play guy, right? It's kind of like, oh, he has the harder job. He or she has the harder job because they have to talk about it as the play is happening. No, not necessarily, because the the color analyst has to come in afterwards and then analyze the play. And if you don't know anything about the game, it's going to be really hard for you to make a meaningful comment about the play that just happened regardless of how great the play is because you don't understand the game. It's obvious that you understand the game. You spend a lot of time broadcasting Football, you spent a lot of time studying football and uh, throughout this entire game. And AJ was texting us all throughout the game. That was a great analysis, great analysis, great analysis. And I agree. I, I thought that what you brought to the table was really awesome. in the way that you analyzed the play after it happened, I got to say the thing about the play itself as it was going on. And then you got to come in and and really beef that up because it's color of the it's a theater of the mind, right? You have to tell people what's happening without them seeing it.
1: I want to plug a couple of our guys here, whether it be Wildcat 919 or K-State in general. So Ian Punnett, he is a director of student radio here. He told me one time, two hours for every hour of content. And then we talked to Stan Weber, I believe that was, you know, your first or second time meeting Stan. And he told us before the game, you know, make sure you're prepared. Make sure you have a lot of notes. And then, you know, if you ever listen to a Chiefs broadcast, Mitch Holtus always talks about the importance of, yeah, it's important painting a picture. But you got to be well informed too. And I think, you know, having all this information at your disposal as a color analyst, yeah, you're talking about the play, but you're also going into some background stories. And I think one of the examples of that right there is we mentioned Austin Moore, fourth year linebacker, was a walk on. And then he gets, you know, he gets a scholarship. And now he's one of the 85 scholarship players on the roster. I think being an analyst, you got to know the game and you also have to be well informed because if you're not, it could be a long day at the office. It would be indeed.
0: It's the state's defense. Starting to put it together late in the second quarter. Martinez in the shotgun. He has three receivers. Cade Warner way out on the near side towards the sideline. Formation lined up on the far side hash. He's going to send Malik Knowles in motion. There's the fake handoff. Martinez is going to take it up to the 20-yard line. A gain of about four. A little bit of a conservative play for Kansas State, but they do have two timeouts remaining. And they're going to take one right now.
1: Chris Kleiman takes off right in front of the near side official and calls timeout. Always enjoy watching him sprint down the sideline to get that timeout in. <laughs> so so you got a conservative call right there. But you gotta wonder, Colby, your quarterback has finally completed a pass down the field in tight coverage. Maybe that's his that, first passing touchdown too. True, that's his first passing touchdown. In this uniform for this university. So does it open him up a little bit? Did, does he feel, you know, he's not so condensed to looking underneath and being safe? Yeah. Is he willing to take another shot? Now you got the ball right on the 20 yard line. So you just make it to the red zone. You got 24 seconds and two timeouts. Second down and seven. You've got a real shot here. You got to kind of work the sidelines or you got to get a first down because you don't want to burn that last timeout because you want to save it in case you got to get a field goal. So we- I used a double negative right there. <laughs> I never used to realize that and then I've you know been hanging around with Ian punted a lot here and he's talked to me the importance of not using double negatives and then I just used I one right there I didn't even hear what you said It was like gotta have I said I said like gotta have and then I said nothing or something like that oh so I, I don't know what I was going or I don't remember exactly what I just said but it was definitely a double negative so I gotta clean that up okay
0: yeah that's that's one of those things I mean he he hit me the other day. I said less people, and he said it's fewer. I was like, okay, my bad. Um, that's gonna be a hard habit for me to. Oh, play. it is. It is. It's <laughs> like I've been saying that. That's like a Kansas like dialectual thing. You hear people say less, and then they they say like a a, a quantitative item, right? And that's that. I, I understand why it's fewer, and I like I understand the the English behind that. But at the same time, I don't know anybody in Kansas except maybe Ian, who sits around and says fewer items, right? It's usually less or something along those lines. Because it's just, that's Kansas. That's how people talk in Kansas. I've grown up in Kansas. That's how it sounds. So I, people from Kansas have like a very specific kind of like honky, in-your-nose accent. And
1: I am definitely not excluded from that. Hold that's, on a second. That's just, this that's is just interesting something. because I had a conversation the other day with someone They said, you have an interesting accent. And I said, I don't have an accent. Is said, actually you do. Yeah, And I, I don't hear it at all, but I guess other people think that we do have Accents. I'm
0: kind of influenced by my mom because she's from uh, St. Louis, and St. Louis people have a very distinct accent, and uh, and you might not think about it, but there's, it kind of leans towards New York. It's kind of interesting. There's kind of a, uh, like a honk on it. So I I don't know. So I've picked that up, but yeah. So I want to. We have two minutes left on this clip. Let's let's finish it out. Twenty four seconds on the clock. I completely forgot to say, (laughs) and I and I totally. Uh, wanted to commend you on this we had to take so many freaking media timeouts it was like ESPN plus I was taking a media timeout every 45 seconds and a lot of those we actually kept to ourselves because it's kind of like we can't keep sending it back to the station because then they're going to keep playing the same spots over and over it's going to sound frantic we'd actually talked about this leading into the game because when I was executive producing for the Missouri game I I, I let it go to break too often and we didn't need to do that. And so we purposefully kept it here and I would just kind of look at you and kind of point down like we're going to keep it here when we would see the media timeout people come out or even when they took a timeout on the field. Um, and so that that was kind of an interesting aspect of the game that I hadn't personally prepared for and that that kind of caused me on the fly. I had to go searching back through my notes and try and find things to say so I didn't sound like some moron speaking with you on the air. But that that was kind of shocking to me how many... ESPN media timeouts that we had to take in the first half by itself.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, it felt like every time there was a stoppage of play, we were getting a full extended three-minute media timeout. You know, I think at some times it might have been like, wow, this is kind of frustrating. We got to keep finding stuff to talk about. But in retrospect, looking at it now, that was a great opportunity for us because, you know, we could do a deep dive on what just happened, a deep dive on the player. You know, we could maybe even, you don't want to get Too into the logistics about you know play calling and stuff like that on the air when you know we're repping Kansas State but it does bring up an interesting conversation we could have so I think looking back at it it was good for us to be able to you know not just you know blab through but instead have good content where it was useful to our broadcast later on in the game
0: before we get to halftime seven to seven is the score Kansas State. Inside the red zone, down at the 20-yard line of Tulane. Three receiver set. Two to the far side of the formation. Kansas State lined up in the middle of the field. Martinez is going to look to the right sideline. Now he's going to take his time. Hayden Gillum looking back and barking something at him. There's the snap. Martinez surveys. He passes it to Deuce Vaughn. Up it to the 15. He's going to be taken out of bounds. Just at the first down sticks. Are they going to move them? Yes, they are. They're They're going to move it. it.
1: Good call, Colby. That is right there. I'm looking at the official on the far side of the field, and he gives gives the signal to move it. So you got it inside the 15. You worked the sidelines there. Now you've got a shot. First down. You still can get a first down, but it's at the three-yard line.
0: So something that I really liked and that I think that I need to continue to work on throughout my broadcasting is that when I get in the zone, I tend to talk fast. And I, and I try to rattle everything out. And I'm like hyper-focused on what's the play looking like, what's the formation. I really love that I slowed it down. I spoke slower. And that's something that I'd actually been telling myself all throughout the week because I was listening to clips of Wyatt Thompson. I was listening to clips of Mitch Holtus. And I was like, what can I do that makes me sound more professional in relation to these guys? And just like, what's an easy fix? It was like, slow it down. Don't talk so fast. Let the play happen. Speak about it as it's happening. Don't try to shove as much content into every play. And I really liked that I was able to pick up that part where Hayden Gillum had turned the center. He turned, he had said something to uh, Adrian Martinez. I thought it added an extra something and a, a little nudge to the to the actual call itself, because usually it's just, you have these guys, you have X amount of receivers in the play. You might have a tight end. You got your quarterback. You might have... Uh, your running back and a fullback. Who are those guys? And usually you just say it's the quarterback, here's the fullback, and then here's your split end, right? But I like that I was able to incorporate somebody from the line of scrimmage, maybe add a little bit of extra stuff in there to make it make it a little bit more natural and a little bit more complete.
1: Yeah, and I like the point you bring up about speaking too fast because that's an issue for me too, whether it be you know just talking to someone else on a show or doing play-by-play. You just get so into the zone. You know, you just start trying to guess a little bit on what's going to happen. There's been times where I've called games and I've said something before it happens like a catch and then they drop it. And it was like, well, I should have let the, waited for the play to develop. I shouldn't have jumped the gun there. So I think, you know, it's a good learning point for the both of us.
0: Well, and this clip continues on into the next clip. And I don't think that we get the full rest of the play. So I'm actually going to stop it here. But I thought that this was actually really like therapeutic. I thought this was really good to come in, sit down, talk about some of this stuff and it kind of pulls back the curtain right we're 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 from kansas the man behind the curtain right pay no attention to the man behind the curtain this is the one time we want you to pay attention to the man behind the curtain Uh, i thought that this is really interesting commentary and i think we should do this more often i think we should do this with not only our own commentary but other people's commentary as well we might have just found a really neat podcast to put together for this uh the remainder of you know football, then you got basketball, and then you got soccer, and you know, there's all sorts of stuff we can do with this. But I think that this is really cool and that uh, it, it it adds a dimension to our preparation and our study to be able to sit down and listen to the game while also showing our viewers and our listeners, here's what we're thinking about in the moment. Kind of, kind of a cool deal.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to keep this moving forward. I know I'm going to be calling the Texas Tech game in a couple of weeks, and I, I look forward to coming in and doing a deep dive of you know, what I sound like doing play-by-play, because I got a good grasp of it with color now. I know what I liked, what I can do different. I'm looking forward to it, and, you know, it's it's called The Truth of the Booth for a reason because we're going behind the scenes, not only of what's happening with us, but we also firsthand know what's happening back in the studio, too. So it's an all-around deep dive into the whole broadcast, and it's been a great idea.
0: It has been a great idea, indeed. Well, my name is Colby Van Camp here with Anthony Georges, and you've been listening to The Truth of the Booth, on Wildcat 91.9, KSDB, Manhattan.